Welcome. I am Katie Simone. I'm founder of SoulEvolutionCenter.com. It's a virtual center. Its mission is to help you evolve into your best life. I am also an advanced channeler of light beings. I'm able to receive information from beyond, from beings that are in other dimensional realms. And I share these messages on my social media platforms. This, this show that I hold on some Fridays is a show, the Soul Evolution Center show on Blog Talk Radio, is a show uh, where I share spiritual and metaphysical knowledge that I feel would be helpful to my community and to the audience. I also share uh, my more extraordinary out-of-body experiences, and I share these to teach and hopefully impart some important information for you if you are experiencing out-of-bodies yourself or are thinking about pursuing this or if you know others, loved ones who are having out-of-body experiences, I'm hoping by sharing this information, you'll be better able to navigate your own experiences. So today I'm going to share a very extraordinary uh, uh, sequence of out-of-bodies, specifically two. And that's one of my teaching points, my um, more important teaching points I want to share. Uh, the first one is that um, you can have out-of-bodies back-to-back. And for me, that has happened on numerous occasions. I have shared them on this program as well, uh, uh, as well as uh, sometimes on my uh, blog, which is part of soulevolutioncenter.com. And so uh, the, the bottom body experience I'm going to share today occurred on September 30th, 2016. And the, the two sequences ended by 10, 15 a.m. in the morning. I find the most fertile time for me to have out-of-bodies naturally and spontaneously is are during the hours of between 6 a.m. and, and uh, 9 a.m. in the morning. To be honest with you, if I allowed myself to sleep later in the morning, if my schedule allowed it, and also for me not to feel guilty that I'm doing that, uh, I'll be honest with you, I would probably experience a lot more out-of-bodies. There seems to be a very fertile time um, in the early a.m. as you're about to uh, awaken for your day, uh, you can use this state when you're already in that altered state of consciousness um, to experience out-of-bodies uh, more easily and uh, more and have, uh, have them more abundant in nature. And so, uh, what is an out-of-body? I'm sure some of you know this, but I'll just briefly explain. I've talked about this more in earlier episodes of Blog Talk Radio. I do encourage you to go to those archived episodes. They're available for you 24-7, on demand, for free. You can download them at any time. They're also available as iTunes podcasts for the Soul Evolution Center show. So these are very important uh, free resources for you. But what happens is all human beings do do experience out-of-bodies naturally in their sleep state, whether they are aware or lucid or not. I will use the term lucid many times, and the term lucid is a synonym for being aware, when you can remember the details during the out-of-body uh, and enough so that you can, uh, you can uh, recall them upon waking up. Now, I experience my out-of-bodies during my sleep state in that altered state of consciousness. Usually to experience an out-of-body for most people, I can't speak for everyone, you have to be in an altered state of consciousness, which means you have to be very relaxed and your physical body has to be still and not receiving constant neuronal input uh, stimulus visually, 
auditory and otherwise, or else that overwhelms the nervous system and you really can't project, which is another term for having an out-of-body. You can't experience an out-of-body when you're that active. So it's important to be in an altered state of consciousness. And uh, for me, that has been in my sleep state. And so what, ha what I began to realize since my spiritual awakening in 2009 I realized that I was going to other dimensional realms in my sleep state. I started to have more lucid recall. My dream time changed entirely. And so I naturally and spontaneously have out-of-body experiences in my sleep state. And almost every day uh, when I wake up, I can remember at least one sequence uh, uh, in, in, in some detail. That's very true. I might not remember all my experiences, but there's usually one. And then it's usually the one that occurred uh, most uh, closest to the time prior to waking up for the day. And so uh, this out-of-body I experienced during my uh, altered state of consciousness, which was my sleep state. And I became lucid, which means I started to become aware of details and I started to become aware of my thoughts. Uh, it's almost like I'm a viewer to myself. I became lucid to find myself standing in my bedroom uh, that I sleep in uh, normally, and I was standing up and facing a wall. And in this wall was a, a, a small square window with no glass, it was open. And the window was maybe a, a foot in um, diameter, foot in length and width. And so it's a small square window. And right away that was a cue to me, uh, and that helped me retain my lucidity, kept my awareness level up. Because I know when you see a hole or an opening, and then one that is so clearly defined as that, uh, number one takeaway, that's probably going to be an exit point for you when you have your outer body to exit through. Sometimes I'm actually exiting through walls, through ceilings, through floors. I'm actually going through those partitions. There's actually, you can say, uh, these type of physical obstructs. But in this outer body, this, this one I had this morning, there was an opening already created for me. And since it was a very nice, well-defined opening, like someone had actually cut a square shape into the wall, I knew that it was very intentional, even in the out-of-body. This is the level of awareness I've developed since having numerous out-of-bodies since 2009, my spiritual awakening. And so I, I, I paused there in front of the window, and I looked out the window, and it was such a beautiful view. I saw this uh, panoramic view of a coastal town at dusk. And there was a huge body of water, and it was moonlit, and it was this beautiful uh, indigo blue, a kind of like a denim blue. It was a very unusual color blue, and I could see the uh, light dappling on the waters, and I could see the buildings, and and uh, you know, looking looking like a coastal town, and I thought it was beautiful the way it was bathed, bathed in the unusual color. And then something unusual happened. Point number two, uh, takeaway for the Sada body is that though I, I was standing in front of the window and I hadn't gone through it, and I was able to view what lay lie beyond that, I actually <laughs> there was two women on the other side of that window, and what they did is they po each poked their head in front of me into the square window so that I could see them. So just imagine, uh, it's like me coming in from the side and just doing like a headshot. And there was another one coming in from the other side doing another headshot saying to me in a way, uh, 
hello, we're here. There's two of us waiting for you on the other side. And as soon as that happened, I knew I was meant to go through that square window. First of all, as I shared, there was already uh, an intentional opening created for me to exit through. And also there's two guides. I I was going to have two escorts waiting for me on the other side. They were there planted. And so I knew that it was okay for me to go through this uh, square opening. And I say that because sometimes I question that in prior out-of-bodies, uh, I am, when I become lucid and aware, I will say to myself, should I go here? Because sometimes there's some fear depending on the setting. And so I question and I always check myself, is this a good decision to uh, have this out-of-body right now in this specific area? So with those, uh, with those two cues, the square window already created and two female guides on the other side that pop their head uh, over to let to show me that they were there waiting for me. And let me just tell you, they didn't talk. They didn't say, hey, Katie, come on over. Come on over. It's time to have an out-of-body. It's, it's much more subtle than that. Usually I find the guides or transporters that help me uh, to have an out-of-body. They're usually very quiet, a few words. They really don't impart too much information to me. And I feel it's because on a soul level, when I incarnated on this planet Earth now, I, really, I had a, some type of soul contract where I was going to do these type of out-of-body travels, teach about them to help other people raise their consciousness, but I want to do it independently. I didn't want to be spoon-fed this information. So these guides that I have many, many times are uh, guides of uh, very uh, quiet, they're very quiet in nature. And sometimes they tell me they can't tell me when I ask them questions. So I've learned to accept that. And, and not be upset about that, that I'm an independent astral traveler. Astral travel is another term for out-of-bodies. And so I go through this uh, small window, and as I'm going through it, I, I have a little bit of a fear, but not too much, because I know I am on a higher level elevation point, and I'm going to have to be able to fly. And so I say to myself, I hope I'm able to, to fly, because there's probably a 100-foot drop down to uh, sea level. Uh, once I go through that window. And that's my uh, teaching point number three uh, for this out-of-body sequence is that uh, don't have fear. You you are able to fly. And it, it goes against all the rules, laws of gravity that we have on the earthly plane. But in out-of-bodies, there are different laws of physics, et cetera, and you're able to do uh, things that you wouldn't even dream about doing on, on the earthly plane. That's how unusual it is. So it does require a level of open-mindedness. So point number three is don't have fear in your outer bodies that you, you can't uh, fly because I have found that I've always been able to do that. And so now I'm flying down to sea level and it is quite a bit of a drop, but I know I can fly. And now as I'm flying down, I'm, I'm really seeing more of the city open up to me, this, this city that's, uh, on along the coastline, along this beautiful body of water that's bathed in moonlight, I uh, I have a thought: Where am I going to go now? I have a decision to make, and uh, I could go this way to my left, this way to my right. I can go out toward the water, and this is my my teaching point number four for this auto body: is that there is usually a decision to be made by you, the traveler especially since you are aware, you are lucid, you are in control of your decisions, just like you are on the earthly plane, you have a decision to make as to where you're going to explore 
during this out of body. Okay. And that has always been a big challenge for me because I, I feel like I, uh, in the past I have struggled with that. I never know where to go. Sometimes there's people milling around me and, and there's, there's strangers, of course, they are beings that are located in this dimensional plane of reality. And so I do this thing where I just kind of scan the area as I'm hovering down, flying down, to try to find what direction I should go. And then I look over to my right and I see a man and he's standing on a little bit of a peninsula uh, abutting the water and he's waving to me. And so I know that he must be some sort of escort for me upon arrival in this in this dimensional reality. Uh, now, this when I say dimensional reality, this is a reality that exists on another plane of existence that most human beings, on a physical level, we cannot uh, ascertain, we cannot sense with our uh, six physical senses. In order to visit these realms, they're actually located on different frequencies. Okay, they're in different vibration. And so that's why you have to be in an altered state of consciousness to uh, connect at these vibrational levels. So this man was waving to me, and I knew that he was, he was some sort of escort. And so I fly down to across from him, across the water, and he, he's flying over toward me. But as soon as I seem to land, and I could see him flying over toward me, he disappears. And I've had that happen so many times in out of our bodies, okay? I think I'm on point, am I on point four or five? But another takeaway is don't be surprised if your escort, if your greeter is not there with you the entire time. Sometimes you are meant to experience things independently during your out of bodies. They might just be there for a certain stage or transition of the out of body and then they leave. And so I have learned that numerous times. And believe, and believe me, in the past, I used to get very upset and a complain and whine and say, well, don't they know that I don't know where I'm going? How come they just leave me there? This is so unfair. This is not nice. But I've learned since then to look at it with a different perception. I've shifted my perception in a more empowering way. And now I realize I am a sort of Christopher Columbus and I am a soul traveler. I have some helpers along the way, but they're not going to spoon feed me. They're not going to hold my hand. They're not going to give me a documentary as we walk along explaining everything that I'm seeing and viewing. It's not going to happen that way. It has not happened that way for me yet. You may have some different experiences because your soul purpose may be different. Your life plan may be different. But for me, I very much uh, have learned that because of my independent nature, I am a number one in numerology, which means many times I fly, I like to fly solo. I'm very independently minded. Um, this is carried over to my out-of-body experiences. And so this, this a guide that waved to me, he left. And so I feel looking back at it now, he was only there to get me to that certain point. Because when I was at that certain point across the water, I started to hear music. And let me just go back. So what happened to the two women that popped their head in the square window initially? See, they also kind of disappeared. Oh, let me just say, I'm sure they were there when I was flying down, um, through, I'm flying through the window and flying down, um, flying down into this dimensional landscape, but they weren't making themselves known. They were, uh, let's say, lying back and just watching and observing to make sure everything was going smoothly, but they were not interfering and they were not communicating with me, okay? So they're just there as, as backup, let's just say, in case things 
things go wrong. I've learned, learned this through my numerous experiences. This is how it has been rolling for me. It may not be the case for you. And so I realized that I was at, uh, at this certain point in this coastline town in order to be led to the next point. It's almost like a treasure hunt. And this is how, how it's worked for me. Usually they lead me with music and I start to hear a band because in, in reality, in the earthly plane, I like to hear live music, uh, certain uh, eras of live music. And so there was a good band playing, good music. And so I was interested and that kind of led me down the, you can say, the rabbit hole. Uh, and that was like a carrot leading me, me to my next point. So I followed the music. And what I'm doing is, is walking on this coastal town. I'm walking past buildings. And to be honest with you, I don't really notice that there's human beings or however you want to call them, dimensional beings walking around. I didn't really notice anyone there. The only thing is I noticed is when I came up to this restaurant where the live music was playing, there were some people in there. So I feel like I was meant to go to this um, restaurant. And, and I looked at the performers, the music performers, and there was two women. And one woman actually had a flute. And she appeared to be in her 50s or so. And I was surprised that she was playing a flute because that's not the most common musical instrument that you would see in a band uh, for the type of music they were playing. But she was playing some kind of flute, which is fine. And there's another a woman, and actually she was older too. She was in her uh, 50s too. And she, I, she was performing. I believe she was a singer. And she was actually performing in a bathing suit. It was a conservative bathing suit. It was a bikini, a two-piece bikini. Uh, but I was very surprised to note that she was a performer in a bikini. And then I said to myself, in the outer body, well, this is a coastal town. Maybe this is how the performers dress here when they're, when they're uh, playing their live music. And next thing you know, uh, another, a man approaches me. And um, he's probably in his uh, late 30s. And... Uh, he says to me that his restaurant is not doing well. It's not doing well. And so now I know he's the restaurant owner. And this has happened before in Adabadis where people come to me that I meet in these other dimensional realms and they start telling me some of their problems or their issues. And, you know, in, on the 3D plane, um, I am a good listening ear. I have a, com a compassionate nature. And so people do feel comfortable even on, on the earthly plane talking to me and uh, confiding in me, they feel I'm trustworthy. So the same thing happens in outer bodies. So that's point number six, where some of your personality attributes that you have on the earthly plane may carry over and may play a role during your outer body experiences. And so this man felt comfortable about sharing to me the status of his business. And I have been a small business owner, I've been an entrepreneur for many, many years. So Perhaps that was what he sensed about me, that I could understand his complaints about small business flows, et cetera. And so, again, that was another carryover, point six, about how what you do, uh, what you've done on your earthly life can carry over and play a role on the, in the uh, out-of-body state. And so we walk a little way in the restaurant, and uh, I see two, two people before us, and they, they're doing, like, various activities in the restaurant. And so the, the, this restaurant owner says to me about one of the employees, the, the young male employees, he said, oh, he's cleaning and claiming. This is the remark he made. And then he said, he's supposed to be cleaning the restaurant. But another employee saw him and he was filling out his like insurance form, his insurance claim. And so then the restaurant manager made, you know, the owner made a, 
uh, actually is very smart, he's very witty, a little comment about cleaning and claiming. And, and then, uh, so he and I, uh, after that, uh, we, uh, as a response, I'm not doing anything, I'm just listening to him. I'm not g giving him any feedback or any advice. I'm just listening, I'm just being a confidant, you can say. And so we walk outside and again, I noticed how beautiful this coastal town is and the water is so amazing. And uh, a business next to us seemed to be opening for the night. And when it opened, it, it put on its exterior lights. And the way it worked out is that its signage was reflected on the water. And this, this restaurant was named O, with a big O. And so I looked on the horizon of the water and I could see the same O, the logo. And I said, oh, the water is reflecting the signage. And I was really hoping to see some unusual moon or multiple moons, you know, like how some of these planets um, have, some of our planets in our planetary system have multiple moons. I was really hoping to see something exotic and fantastic like that. But I did see one moon, it almost looked like the earthly moon, and, uh, but I was looking for another moon, but there wasn't. And then I look over uh, to the distance at some of the, the houses, uh, the buildings that are, are uh, uh, on the coastline, and I notice one building is made entirely of copper. And you know we don't we don't have that usually on the earthly plane to have a house made out of copper copper sheeting. And so I say to the uh, this, and I believe it was still the restaurant manager, the restaurant owner. It could have been another uh, male. I wasn't lucid enough to recall that. And so I say to him, "Oh, wow, that's very unusual. That that entire structure is made of copper sheeting." I, I share that observation with him. He just looks at me. He doesn't remark. And I, uh, during the Autobody even, I say to myself, I think to myself, maybe he doesn't know what copper is, maybe they don't, they don't use that term here, there's another name for it. And so that, uh, that Autobody ended, that was uh, Autobody number one. And I feel like I shared some good, good solid points with you to retain, to remember, uh, if you have your own Autobodies and for you to understand, so you're not stressed and you're experiencing these type of things. <clears throat> Excuse me. So then, uh, so this auto body ended, so I'm actually physically lying in bed, because it is my sleep state, with my eyes closed, but I can tell that I am in an altered state of consciousness. I am still aware, and I can feel, because I've been in this position before, that I may have another auto body, that this is a fertile time. Uh, and there was a feeling of almost my energetic body. I could almost feel the energy field around me as I was lying there in bed because I feel, and I'm hearing telepathically now, it was all activated. It was all stimulated. So you can say I was very aware of my energetic body as I was lying there, which was a, it's this type of sensing I'm hearing. You know, clear sentience is, is uh, your psychic sense of sensing. And so that also was a cue to me that I, I'm possibly going to have another out of body. So takeaway number seven, takeaway number seven is that when one out of body ends and you're in that state, on a relaxed state, whether you're in your bed or a recliner, um, it, it is a prime time for you to initiate uh, and induce another following out of body. You could use that time. If you if your schedule allows, and my schedule did allow today, so so I I uh, kept looking through my third eye, 
um, as I was laying there in bed sweeping. And the third eye is your space in between your uh, eyebrows. And that's also known as your portal and your gateway to other dimensions. Okay, it's also your psychic center for insight and for intuition. So your third eye is very po a powerful area. And so uh, point number uh, seven is that remember to look through your third eye. When you're in that transitional state, when one out of body has ended and, uh, and you, feel, you can feel your energy body as you're lying there or sitting there or reclined there, um, start looking through your third eye with your eyes closed because that's what I start to do. And, um, and then I started, uh, instead of being totally dark, it was totally dark. And uh, when I'm in my third eye and it's totally dark, I get a little nervous because in the past I've had encounters with, say, energetic beings who latch on to me and they, they seem to like just latch on almost like vampires and it's very annoying and it's kind of scary. So that, that, that transitional space between actually being in an out of body and being in that dark space, to me, I found it to be um, an insecure space. And so right away I call and uh, I ask Archangel Raphael to protect me. And then I realized Archangel Raphael is the angel of healing who I uh, invite many times into my own personal energy healing sessions for, my, for myself and for my clients. So then I, I add an Archangel Michael, please protect me during this time, during my travels. That, that's a method I use some time to time to put up extra protection. And I actually do another step too, besides inviting beings to protect me, uh, angels, I also do this thing with my intention, and I say I, I secure my energetic field. I, I do this thing where I put up armor around myself, but it's totally through imagination. Even out of body, it's not like I can see light coming around me and protecting me and encircling me. I just do it through my telepathic command. And uh, so, now, so now, now I'm seeing light, and I realize I'm looking up at the ceiling of my bedroom, and there's a really dark shadow uh, to my left, and this shadow is maybe eight feet wide, ten feet. It seems to have some sort of form. It doesn't look like human form. So I get nervous because I'm thinking it could be some kind of uh, apparition. It could be some kind of uh, spirit that hasn't transitioned or deformed being, because I know those do exist. I have encountered them. I'll go into that in, in other programs. And so I'm keeping my eye up on the ceiling to see if this huge, looming, dark shadows is changing, is coming toward me. At the same time, I'm looking over to my right side, and I just see a big splotch of red, a red light form up on the ceiling. It doesn't have a specific shape. And then, I, uh, then like two feet away, I see a big splotch of, uh, of a teal-colored form. So I'm seeing light forms. Okay, in the space that I am. It's actually my bedroom space, but it's in another dimensional level. And this is always a clue to me. That's um, teaching point number eight, that when you start seeing light forms in your bedroom space or in your third eye, that's usually a precursor that there's going to be more out-of-body activity happening. So be prepared without getting too excited. So I knew that. I knew I was going to get some activity. And so for some reason, I had the thought of having a definitive uh, intention of where I want to go. 
And I can't believe I did this on a conscious level. So I feel like it was my spirit channeling through me, another level of my consciousness that made this decision. And because I was lucid, I was aware, I was able to recall it. I say out loud, out loud telepathically that I want to go visit my spirit guy, Damien. I, I would like to visit, and then I add, I would like to visit him now at this time point. So the universe doesn't think sometime in the future. And then I say, I invite him if he's able to. So I want to be nice and hospitable. I don't command him. I invite him. And, um, and, and then when I said that, and as I was saying that, this is what happened. A beam of light came from my third eye. And so let me just set this up for you. So I'm lying in my bed, my bedroom as in real life. And from my left eye, I can just see a beam of pink light. It was about maybe six inches wide, like a straight line thick, and it was going out 15, 20 feet. It was like through this intention of inviting my etheric guide, Damien, it caused like this beacon light to come from my third eye. This is the first time I've ever experienced that, so this is something highly unusual for me to see myself radiate a specific color from my third eye in and out of body. This has never happened before. So this is kind of a milestone out of body experience. And uh, I knew in the moment as I was viewing the pink light radiation from my third eye, I said, I know I'm the one doing this and it's some kind of beacon to allow me to meet my guy, Damien. Let me tell you who Damien is. Damien is an etheric guide located in another dimensional plane. And the past week, on the earthly plane in real life, telepathically, on and off, I've heard his name, Damien, Damien, Damien. I hear it in my own thought voice. It comes inside my head. It comes in during the day spontaneously when I'm just doing activities, errands, etc. And so I knew that he was very close to me because the number of times I've heard his name repeated telepathically in the past week has been increased. And so maybe perhaps that's why my spirit felt he wanted to meet with Damien. And, you know, you can have specific uh, intentions for out-of-body destinations. So in this one, you can say I had a specific intention to visit my, uh, my spirit guide, Damien. And so then um, I start uh, accelerating, and I come, and then I realize I'm in the portal. The portals are interdimensional quarters. They're, they're, they're the hallways between the dimensions. You can say they're like you travel through these to uh, get to uh, your destination. They're like tunnels, okay? And it's just like the sci-fi movies. Whenever I'm in a portal or wormholes, another term, they're usually very uh, exotic. They're filled with light displays and unusual, unusual structures. It's very visually stimulating. So I'm in the portal, and I know this because I'm moving quickly, and as I'm moving quickly, ahead of me I see this beautiful structure, it's, and it's iridescent. And let me just, the best way to describe it, because there's nothing like that on Earth, is that it looks like a jungle gym, except it's made of like some kind of polyurethane um, material. And it's, uh, you know, it's, how to say, the bars are look like they're made of polyurethane, but they have a nice shimmer to them. And there's pale pinks and blues and pale yellow light radiating it. It's, it's a multitude of colors. And it was just so beautiful and it was kind of even glowing. So I'm approaching this structure and it's maybe like eight feet long, eight feet wide, looking like a jungle gym with all these like horizontal 
bars across it and maybe some vertical, but it looked more like an organic growth, not so geometrically formed and uh, not so evenly, you know, distributed with the bars, etc. So I'm very scintillated. I see this structure coming and of course I want to touch it. So I take out my left arm, my etheric arm, because I'm not out of body now. It's really not my physical arm. I want to touch the structure. And as soon as I do that, I slow down. And I realize that I cannot be reaching my arms out during out of bodies to touch these things because it may stunt or, and you might decelerate and you might not be traveling to your out of body destination. You know, and so um, that's teaching point number nine. Okay, teaching point number nine is when you're in out of body, you may want to take care of how you put your arms and your legs because um, that might just even totally stop the out-of-body. So I realized I had decelerated, and that's usually not a good sign because that means I stopped the momentum. So I put my, my arms back in, and I say, don't touch anything anymore till you get to your destination. And I feel like some, something happened, and, and I did do something. I, I caused the momentum of the out-of-body to stop, or the portal, the, po the portal itself noticed that I was not cooperating in some way, maybe I got my access was shut down. And so now I'm back in the bedroom again, lying on my back. See, it spit me out, got me back to my starting point. So that's, that's my teaching point number nine, um, to be aware of your activity in the portal with your uh, physical arms and legs, because whatever you do, if you outstretch and overextend, you might actually stop the momentum portal movement it's so now I'm back in the bedroom but I can tell that I am still in a very deep altered state of consciousness I can still feel my energetic body so I I wind up go for round two because that's the way it rolls sometimes so that's teaching point number 10 you might get spit back to your starting point you might you might need to start again from ground zero uh, but that's fine I've, that has happened to me a few times and I'm used to it and so, again, I say to myself as I'm lying there in bed in this altered state of consciousness with my eyes closed, I'm looking through my third eye. Again, I state my intention. I want to see my etheric guy, Damien. He has been coming and communicating with me the past week because I want to make sure I, I was going to the right Damien and not to another Damien. So I was trying to be more specific in my intention, which is always a very good point. That's uh, rule number or I wish they rule guidance number 11. I have no more fingers. 10 and one, okay, uh, is to uh, be specific. If you do have an uh, intention of where you want to go, you need to be specific about your destination point so that it is clear to the universe. So now I start moving again. I'm, I'm moving accelerating through my third eye. And to be honest with you, I was not lucid enough to recall um, what the portal looked like the second time, but I wasn't some kind of portal moving very quickly. I didn't see that same structure that I saw before that looked like an iridescent gym structure. But I became, I, so you can say I lost some lucidity because I wasn't aware of the details of traveling through the second portal. Uh, but what I do remember is that I did land somewhere. I all of a sudden I'm in a landscape, so I made it to another dimensional reality. And when I, I, I landed, I'm on the platform and I look around and it looks like a mall. And I say to myself, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm another interdimensional mall. This is what I say to myself. Because there have been so many out of bodies where 
my landing point has been a mall. And I feel that that's done uh, as a, uh, for psycholo uh, psychological reasons because a mall is not threatening, especially to a woman. Um, you know, stereotype about women who like to shop. So I landed in the mall because it's, it's not threatening. I'm very familiar with it, and it'll make me feel safe and secure upon landing. That's a mechanism. So I realized that this has been happening in my out of bodies. It's a, it's a, some kind of psychological mechanism to rebalance and stabilize you upon arrival in a dimensional landscape. Uh, so that's another teaching point I'm, I'll bring out to you as a teaching point number 12, 10, 2, um, that you may land in an out-of-body when you arrive upon a dimensional landscape in a very familiar setting, okay? And so, and now uh, I am still, I'm moving very quickly through this mall. I am moving fast, flying and moving. And so uh, I'm kind of looking around, looks just like a mall, nothing's interesting me. And then before you know it, I arrive at one point and I just stop. See, this is how your, your spirit guides you. My spirit is a navigator. My spirit is a level of consciousness. It is a part of me, but I just don't have a conscious connection with it some of the time. It makes its own decisions on my behalf, but I don't have that clear decision knowledge with it. And so I stop and I realize I'm in an open room. And there is a room, and there seem to be like maybe 10 or 15 uh, people, men and women. They seem to be working. Um, the room is maybe 15 by 15. These people seem to be working. It's like almost like a planning room, something like that. That's what's evocative of. And a, a woman comes out, and right away I know to say this, which I can't believe. I'm like, how did I know to say that? I say to her, I'm here to see Damien. And she goes, oh, Okay. And then, um, so she goes back, back into the planning room and, and I'm waiting in the little waiting room there. There's a, a little room, it's very narrow and, and there's a wooden bench, um, that can maybe sit five people and it's like, um, honey, honey oak colored and it's, it doesn't have any cushions. It's just a wooden front uh, bottom and back. I'm sitting there. And I can see what the planners are doing inside the room. And I know she's going into a separate office where Damien is located. I don't see this office. I don't even actually see the door. I just know this. And then uh, I'm, I'm looking around uh, my settings, which is very important to do. Uh, when, you, when, you're, when you have out of bodies, be an explorer, be an adventurer, take note of the details around you. Um, so that's why I've learned to do that. Sometimes I don't do it as well as I would like. So I'm looking around and I see that it looks just like a mall. Um, the space to my left is actually like a two-story mall. And on the second story, there's actually a big TV and there looks like a young male actor uh, on the TV. And I know she's very good looking and has a really nice spatial uh, structure. And I look around some more and to me, it seems to see a lot of attractive people. And so all of a sudden, this young man appears next to me. He's tall, thin, lanky. He's an endomorph body type. He has um, blondish brown hair. It's just very, he has a longer face. And I say to him, to make small talk, because he's waiting next to me. I say to him, oh, the people here seem to be very attractive. And he says to me, I didn't, see, I didn't notice that. I said, oh. And so now there's two of us waiting to to go into the planning room, possibly see Damien. 
And then um, I turn around again, and this young man has disappeared. And instead, there's another young man. And this young man is a little overweight. He's a little corpulent. He's maybe 30, 40 pounds overweight. He has like brown hair, short, he's very round cheeks, small, smaller eyes. And I'm like thinking to myself, even out of body, like, where'd the other guy go? I was just talking to him. Now he's gone, and there's another uh, person waiting. So I realized there was some kind of cue going on to go into this planning room. And uh, so then I look into the planning room because it's wide open to the waiting room. And I see that the first young man that I had been talking to, he's in there talking to one of the planners. And the discussion they're having, um, he's, they both seem to be standing up and they're like, they have something in front of them, possibly a piece of paper. And they're like both looking at the paper very intently, like they're planning out strategies. And so I noticed this through their body language. And, and the next thing you know, the uh, woman that originally greeted me, and that I asked to see Damien, she came back, because I think she said, oh, geez, the, the young guy came after she did, and he's already in there, and the second guy's already here. So she does this thing where she has uh, a piece of paper, like a clipboard, and she goes, are you sure you're on this list, she says to me. And, um, oh, and I just want to, I want to say that originally when I told her that I want to see Damien when I first arrived. Um, and she went back in to possibly talk to Damien. Um, there was another guy that came out and he said to me, you know, you might not be able to see him today. Another like planner. And I said, and I, I was on the tip of my tongue to say to him, do you know what I had to go through to get here? Do you know what kind of third eye escapes, what kind of portals? This is not a body for me, man. It's not easy to come back here. So I, I had all these thoughts and ramblings I want to share with him. You know, like, it's not easy to come to the same destination. You know, I'm an out-of-body traveler. And, um, and I didn't say that because I decided to be spiritually mature and um, converse in a mature way. So I just said to him, well, I had a few complex transitions to get here. That's how I phrased it, to be let's say diplomatic and tactful. And he just looked at me. I don't know whether he was telepathic and could read all the thoughts I had prior, but I just shared to him that, you know, it was I went through some complex transitions to get here. So I had that for ha happen first. And so what happened is, um, you know, when I'm sitting there waiting still, and, this, and the original lady that greeted me comes and she looks at our clipboard and says, are you sure you're, you're here, you're here, you're, you're meant to, to meet Damien? And she's looking at our clipboard. And I'm sitting there in that little wooden bench, um, and I say to her, because sometimes I try to be funny. Sometimes I, my sense of humor kicks in out of bodies. I say to her, "Well, if you want, if you want me to come back next time, you got to send the shuttle, because <laughs> I didn't want to, because um, you know it's, it's tough work getting the right portals to the right dimensional uh, spaces, revisiting the same dimensional space." consciously and lucidly that's this is very difficult for me it's very difficult it's a challenge to be that good you know when you're not a body traveler and so I told her I wanted a, a shuttle and you know I cracked myself up there in that little wooden bitch and I said um because you know I was just trying to make a joke but at the same time let her know that you you guys come and get me because it's not easy for me to get here and so uh then she disappears she comes back and she goes Damien has a question for you Okay, so this Damien guy, my, 
he's staying in his office. He's working through this intermediary, this woman. So you can say, I think he was a bigwig. He was an executive. And all his analysts and planners are out there in the open room. But he stays behind the closed doors, not to be seen, et cetera, with limited access. Okay? Just like it is in corporate, you know, the president of the company, the chief executive officer, uh, most employees, like on the assembly line or other uh, levels, cannot just march into the president's of uh, the company's office and have a, have a conversation, right? There's a hierarchy involved. So there was a hierarchy involved in this out of body, very similar to the earth, similarity to the earthly plane. And so she said to me, oh, so uh, he, he has a question for you. And this is the question. It was a riddle. This is the question. What is a T-cock station? Okay, T-T-E-A, cock, C-O-C-K, station. And I'm still sitting there on that little wooden bench. And, I, and then I have a memory. I have a parallel life memory. I have a memory that I heard that word before, because I certainly had not heard it on the earthly plane. And I had a memory that I heard that word before, and I was looking at something at a venue, and I heard the word teapot feather. And then in that parallel life, I had gone back and researched it, and I found out that teacock, I'm mean, not teacock feather, teacock station, that teacock station was a type of tea, and it had yellow flowers in it, and it had yellow flowers. And so I tell this woman, as I sat there, I said, it's a type of tea. And um, she was so surprised. She was a tall woman, probably in her 30s, with a bob brown haircut, dressed up in corporate attire, like a corporate skirt, and like a little blazer, collared shirt, you know, like a, someone who, who is um, conservative corporate would wear. And she was so surprised. She goes, you, you're right. It, it is that. So I answered the riddle. And then next thing you know, I'm still sitting on that wooden bench. I feel something like a little flap, a little flap comes over, over to my nose, to the bridge of my nose. It's like there was a little flap pinned and it comes loose. And let me describe the, 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 the texture of this flap. You know how Indian, uh, Indians, uh, Native Americans, um, when they used to take animal hide and, and, make, and wrap it around um, their drums, their tom-toms and their rattles, that's what it reminded me of animal height that was very thin and very soft and it was a flap and it just broke loose and it came down over my nose and now I was having trouble my vision was obstructed like you know by that flap so then I say to this woman I say to her you know what something just fell on my from my forehead and I can't you know I can't really see and then she says that is because you are now gone to live in the truth. So that to me is profound. Then this makes this dream, this uh, out of body a mile marker. To me, what it represented afterwards is I had some kind of covering over my third eye. We all do. And so for some people it's uh, thicker, thinner, whatever, depending on your level of consciousness and uh, you know, how, what vibration you're vibrating at. And so I feel like my third eye has probably become more active, more vital, and some of the veil, the illusion is 
has now come apart. And the way that it was shown in this out of body as an organic, like I felt it as an organic material. And even when I shared this analogy to you about how Indians make, uh, use animal skins to make their uh, products, um, you know, that's, that's organic material. So I feel like this flap is or organic and all, and all human beings. And as they raise their vibration, probably the flap becomes thinner or becomes loose or just totally, um, releases uncovers and so that was that was a milestone marker for me i feel like i reached some level of spiritual development and that's like takeaway number 13 okay 10 3 i'm doing that for other reasons um that you may have uh an out of body with a uh, deeper meaning um about your spiritual development so I really don't know how this carries over to the earthly plane. But let me just say, on that level of dimensionality, in that dimensional plane of existence, uh, I was recognized or achieved some level of spiritual clarity. Okay? And so this woman uh, takes me a, a few feet away, and I sit down on another chair. And as I'm sitting down, it's actually a bench, I'm realizing that I'm just sitting there. She's not talking to me. I'm, I'm realizing that if I don't do any type of action, movement, if people are not engaging with me, this out of body is going to probably break because that's what it's done in the past. If your uh, out of body is like stuttering like that and there's no movement or activity, it usually means it's going to break. Okay? It's going to stop and you're going to be back lucid in your bed or in your meditation chair. So that's my point 14. Okay? Point 14 is that when you feel that you're out of body, where there's lack of activity in your out of body, whether it's activity within yourself or engagement with other beings in your out of body, that means that the out of body is going to stall. Okay, that's a good, good way to look at it. And that's exactly what happened. So the out of body stalled and I was, I don't want to say kicked back, it doesn't sound very loving. I was take, my spirit took me back to my earthly existence. I'm laying in the bed now at, at home. And when I woke, I immediately knew this was a, a different out of body. Uh, for the reasons that I shared, um, for the 14 reasons that I shared. Um, and so looking back at the Sada body, I'm so thankful for it. I'm so thankful that I was able to view that beautiful coastline community. I mean, the colors were so amazing. It's so wonderful when you actually can see another landscape like that and recall it lucidly. It's just like if I had gone away on vacation somewhere and saw that site myself so i'm so appreciative of that i'm so glad that was shown to me so thank you universe for that and um i really enjoyed the portal experience even though the first time i you know i, I kind of stopped it because i want to touch the structure i was seeing in the portal uh, and and then the other extraordinary thing too was seeing those the light being pink coming from my third eye as uh, some, some sort of beacon maybe it was a carrier to my thought forms to send my intention of wanting to meet my theric guide. And then, uh, you know, like the fourth thing was really uh, having a benchmark achievement. Because usually in these out-of-bodies, people I found for myself, they don't really applaud you or uh, compliment you or flatter you. You're really just bobbing along, learning on, as, as, as you go, as I go. And there's very little flattery. So when something like this happens, it's like big, it's momentous. So 
but I'm not sure how it's going to carry over to the earthly plane. And you know what? That's just fine with me because even if I have expanded my consciousness on another dimensional reality represented by that flap being released, coming undone, <clears throat> that's always progress. It's always spiritual development. As human beings, we exist on many, many levels of consciousness. And if we reach some level of spiritual development in an alternate concurrent parallel lifetime, I'm sure it's only a matter of time before it ripples down to all the other lifetimes, including this earthly lifetime. So I, I appreciate it. I have gratitude for that. And I will I'll look for continued cues or markers about that. But let me just also share, in the past uh, two or three weeks, I've been hearing um, telepathic phrases in my mind, in my own thought voice. And what I've been hearing is this. Your mask is going to be, and then it's dot, dot, dot. I don't hear the rest of it. What I sense is like my mask is going to drop. The mask that I'm wearing is going to drop. And what I want to mean by that is as human beings, we all come to the planet Earth and we all have certain personas. You can say we're actors on a play going through a performance. And one person chooses to be this person. Another person chooses to be that one. Uh, another person chooses to be this one. So I've chosen a certain mask. And so I've heard twice now something about my mask. And now that this out-of-body occurred this, this morning and that flap came down, that to me is maybe another sign of my mask, of my mask coming down. And so when you, the mask um, comes down, you live in truth. And that was a term that this woman in the out-of-body said. She goes, you will now live in truth. Okay. So I did have a little bit of a precursor uh, prior to this out-of-body to, to let me know this might be coming up the pike. I never would have guessed it, though. Another thing uh, as a sign of my spiritual evolution or growing consciousness is I, I do oracle cards for myself. I love that tool. I teach classes on it. And so an oracle card that I've been getting recently is this, this card, Triumphant Success, and also the oracle card, victory victory and success so i've been getting these very positive affirming oracle cards and i wasn't really understanding it but it's coming clearer to me because another oracle card i'm getting is listen to your intuitive feelings which is always very important to do in our daily lives so i feel like i achieve some level of victory and success some kind of tri triumphancy uh, based on my uh, spiritual growth, um, wanting to be enlightened, reaching nirvana, all that. Um, that's, these are things I work on every day. And so uh, it's not material things. It's not uh, you know, uh, raising my revenues in my, my spiritual practice. It's, it's not seeing X amount more clients a week and having X amount more sessions and, and workshops and readings. It's so much more than that. It's on the higher level of spiritual development. So I feel that uh, the universe is validating that to me and showing me that I've achieved a certain level of um, mastery, let's put it that way, emotional mastery. Transcendence is another word I'm hearing now telepathically. And this has been validated through me through the oracle cards that I just showed you and also through the specific out-of-body that I had today. And I also had a special um, visitation from uh, Mahatma Gandhi a few days ago, and I had one channeled message from him that I shared on my blog, beautiful, inspirational message, but I haven't heard from him since. 
it's been a few years and so I got a clairvoyant image of him and the vision and um, when I was riding home in my car one evening on um, the past week and in the vision he gave me a simple white flower and he said for the teacher he said for the teacher so that was a validation or affirmation for the work I'm doing here like in today's program where I, I do share and, and share what I've learned and sometimes what I've learned through the tough way so that maybe your road your road is, is, is easier and smoother during these out-of-body experiences. Well, I hope that was helpful to you. Uh, please share this video if you found it helpful. Share it to those who you think would appreciate it, can get something out of it. And share it with those who are spiritual awakening. And also, um, please leave your comments um, that are relevant to this uh, out-of-body experience. I'd love, to, I'd love to hear them. And I look forward to um, our next sharing together. Namaste, take care.